Turn to Exodus chapter 11, Exodus chapter 11. I'll read one verse out of this chapter, be referencing this chapter, also chapter 12, and uh, be looking in Judges and also in Matthew today. Exodus chapter 11 and verse 4. And Moses said, thus saith the Lord, about, what's the next word? Midnight. Will I go out into the midst of Egypt? Midnight. Do do you know in your Bible, uh, the word midnight appears 14 times in 13 verses? And please don't be distraught, I'm not preaching on all 14 times that it appears. But every time the word midnight appears in your Bible, it's always one of two things, either a triumph or a tragedy. Something good happens or something bad is about to happen. It is a time of great blessing or it is a time of great burdens. And midnight, we all know what midnight is if we were trying to define it. It's just a moment in, really a moment in time when one day passes never to be recalled again and a new day begins. That's midnight. Every 24-hour period has to have a breaking point where one day ends and a new one begins. So there's occurrences in the Bible where midnight has great significance. The passage that I read to you today, this was the command of Moses that he'd received from God because this was the final plague that would take place in Egypt. And you remember what that plague was. It was the death of the firstborn. It was a time of great wailing and mourning for those that didn't know what to do. And I think it's a reminder to everyone Ignorance is no excuse. See, you can have a Bible and refuse to read it and the message can go out and you just refuse to listen to it or you can consume your life with other things and say, but Lord, I didn't have time. But in reality, ignorance is no excuse. God winks at ignorance. But he's now commanded all men and women everywhere to repent. You can't claim that you just didn't know. You're not in a heathen land, even though we live like heathens and act like heathens, we're not in a heathen land. We're in a land that the gospel message still goes out and churches still preach the gospel. None of that has changed. So here it is at midnight. And I think of the message we heard a few days ago, right from this pulpit from Jeff Mosteller when he talked about the difference and he shared some of that out of, uh, out of, the children of God compared to the Egyptians because that phrase, actual phrase, appears in this 11th chapter. And the difference was simple. God told the children of Israel, there's a way that you're gonna escape all of this. The first thing you have to do is you have to select a lamb. And not only was there the selecting of the lamb, there was the shedding of the blood of that lamb. And then also they had to put that blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. And when he passed by, the safety was the fact that they were behind the lamb and the lamb's blood. 
So he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. See, the blood made the difference between being delivered or being destroyed. And it hasn't changed today. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes the difference. Midnight hour is coming to every individual. A time where this life will pass. It will cease never to be recalled again. You can't recall church services. You can't recall opportunities. Death will come in that midnight hour. And the only thing that matters in that hour is if you have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life. So we see the blood at midnight. But then also, there's another thing that happens at midnight. You read about it in Judges chapter 16. Samson is going down to Gaza, not for good reasons, but he's there and the word spreads among the men that he is in Gaza. So they come up with a plan to try to hem him in. They're going to trap him. He's the enemy. Uh, and and they know, he knows that they are his enemy. So here he is in the enemy's territory and they feel like they have him hemmed in. But when you get to Judges chapter 16 and verse three, you read at midnight, Samson goes to the gates, pulls the gates, not off their hinges, but pulls the gates off and the post as well, takes them to the top of the hill toward Hebron. And when they come to get Samson, here he is now. He has carried the gates away, the gates of the city that they planned to get him in with. They thought we've got the gates closed. He's trapped and there's no way that he can get out. So here he is facing a battle at midnight. But the thing that made the difference, the gates were removed. Can I tell you something? We're in a battle. And when we're in a battle as well, the devil wants us to think, I've got you hemmed in. The gates are shut. You can't get out. There's no way to get out. But can I remind you, Jesus removed the gates. He took them to the top of the hill called Calvary. And there at midnight, we can say, thank God in the darkest time of our life, we are stepping into a new day because he tore the bars away and says we're not hemmed in forever. Every service there's people that fight a battle. What do you do when you're in the battle at midnight? You know as well as what I do everything seems to get worse in the middle of the night. Your baby has a fever. What does it seem to go up? in the middle of the night? Why is it that you dread the late night phone calls or text messages or message that you receive? Because you know if it's in the middle of the night, it's probably not good news. The battles are fought. You can busy yourself all day long, but when you lay down in your bed and you get to the midnight hour, it's just you and God and the enemy. And the enemy will do everything that he knows to do to try to make you think that you are trapped and you cannot get out. Some of you are in situations right now. Do you know how many times a week that I hear from people that they tell me things, I'm just stuck, I'm trapped. I don't know how to get out. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. The battles are real. You'll fight battles. And sometimes you'll feel like the enemy's winning. But God's word gives us 
in details what to do if we fight a battle at midnight. What do we do? Number one, you keep seeing. Paul and Silas, they were cast into prison in Acts 16, 25 at the midnight hour. Here they were now at a place where they're beaten, they're bound, they're bruised, and it looks like this is the end of the journey, but at the midnight hour, they started seeing. They didn't lose their soul even though they were in the battle. I'm telling you, it's easy to get to the place where that all you do is live from victory to victory, but you don't understand you gotta keep singing even though the battle's going on. Some of you look like you sucked pickle juice before you came today. But God's still God. Keep singing. The song doesn't change. I don't care what the battle is. He's still God. Keep singing. Something else you keep doing. Paul in Acts 20, he started preaching. And when he was preaching, Eutychus was up on the third loft, the highest floor. And, and it gets to be the midnight hour. And at midnight, Paul is still preaching. How about if I preach tonight till midnight? It's midnight and he's still going. Many lights in the upper chamber. And here's Eutychus sitting there near a window and he falls out the window. Some say that he broke his neck. The Bible doesn't say what really happened. It just said they brought him up dead. Paul said, he's not dead. There's life in him. And he miraculously was restored to life. And Paul, when he finished, they, they started eating and Paul kept talking and he talked till the break of day. You think it's bad to preach till midnight? What if you preach until sunrises? But I will say this, you need to keep singing and you need to keep preaching. What this world needs is preaching. I don't think there is a problem in this world that old-fashioned Bible preaching wouldn't change. I think preaching would change homes and lives and society. The answer to our problems is in the Word of God. And as the Word of God is preached and the preaching of the Word of God, we can't stop preaching. We've got to keep preaching. I see over and over again churches turning from the message. People saying nobody wants to hear preaching. Nobody wants preaching anymore. What we want, we just want a short drive. We just want something to keep our attention a little while. But the truth of the matter is, God chose the foolishness of preaching. Not foolish preaching, it's foolish that you have to preach. People ought to turn to the Lord and know that they're lost and they need the Lord. But God has chosen the avenue of preaching to present the gospel of Jesus Christ and to tell men and women they can be set free. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. You know the biggest tool the devil uses on preachers? Tells them nobody cares, nobody listens, nobody will apply what you're saying. They don't care, so why should you care? Oh, they want you to be on fire. They want you to have something fresh. They just don't want to be fresh when they come. What do you do? What do I do when I get to a church and there's no amens? I amen myself. That's <laughs> what you do. David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
See, the truth of the matter is when I finish today, I love you and I don't mean to be arrogant and I'm not trying to be smart in any way. I'm just making a statement of fact. I want to say something that helps you and blesses you and encourages you. But at the end of the day, none of that really is what God's called me to do. God has called me to preach. At the end of this service today, I need to hear from the Lord that I have done my part to preach the word of God and that God is pleased with my preaching. If I don't please the Lord through my preaching, nothing else matters. So you keep singing. You keep preaching when you get to Acts 27. Paul is on a ship. And when you get to the 27th day, you realize the 27th verse, they've been 14 days now. No sun, no moon, no stars. They're in a terrible storm. Paul gives the assurance to them that he's been praying. He gives them the assurance that God's going to take care of all of it because he's been praying and talking to the Lord. And as he's been praying and talking to the Lord, he knows with all confidence that God has given the word, not a soul should perish. What do you do when the storm comes and the battle's there at midnight? You keep singing, you keep preaching. And by the way, you keep praying. It didn't happen right away. The storm kept beating against the boat even after he'd given him the word of God. But he, he knew his prayers. He knew what God had told him. And that chapter winds up by saying that the ship run aground. They knew they were getting close to the shore. Every time they dropped the fathom, the sound, it was a little shallower than it was the time before. And before long, the ship is now broken apart. And the Bible says they made it. Some on boards, some on broken pieces. But they made it safely to land. When he said you're gonna make it safely, he didn't tell them that they were all gonna be in the ship. He said you just gotta stay on the ship. If you stay on this ship, then God will take care of the rest. Can I tell you this morning, all you gotta do is just stay on board. If you stay on board, God will take care of it all. Now, when you get there, you might make it on a piece or you might make it on a board that's been broken, but does it really matter if you get to heaven, if you're clinging to a piece or just got a board, as long as you make it, isn't that all that matters in the end that you know safely God's gonna take care of all of it? So you keep praying. So we see the blood at midnight. We see the battle at midnight. In Matthew 25, you know the account well. I've preached from it a number of times from this pulpit. Matthew 25, we read about the 10 virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. And the five that were wise, they had their oil with them. They were prepared. The five that were foolish, they had oil, but they didn't have enough. And at the midnight hour, the cry came. The five that were foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil. They said, no. Please hear me, what I'm telling you. You can't make it on somebody else's oil. 
you can't depend on somebody else's blessing. If the only time you get blessed is because you sit beside of somebody that gets blessed, that's good. I'm glad you're sitting beside of somebody. But you need to be blessed when it's just you and God. God needs to be as real to you when it's just you and him. As real as when we're in a worship service of people praising to no end. It's important that we see we can't make it from somebody else's experience. I'm glad your mom and dad was saved. I'm glad your grandma and grandpa Paul were devout Christian. I'm glad that you have siblings that love the Lord. It's great that your daddy was a preacher or your great grandpa was a preacher, but all of that doesn't count when it comes to you. So the midnight cry came. Here's the part people don't want to hear. But while they were out to buy, see that tells me they knew what they needed and they knew where to get it. They just procrastinated. Put it off. Put it off. By the time they come back, the Bible says that the bridegroom had arrived and the five virgins that were wise They were with the bridegroom now and the door was shut. There's coming a time when God's gonna close the door. There's coming a time when the door will be shut. There's coming a time when the day of salvation has ended. There's coming a time that doomsday will come for those that do not Know the Lord as their Savior. You can have the Bible memorized, and in hell you can quote every verse that you know, but it won't save you then. You need to call on the Lord now. When do you get saved? When should you get saved? People tell me constantly, I'll get saved when I want to. You don't get saved when you want to, you get saved when you can. That's the message here. There's coming a time where God's gonna say, no more, you don't have another opportunity. The day of grace will end for you. His grace never ends, but it ends for you. I know his mercies endure forever because he's God and he's merciful, but his mercies can end for you. When he comes and you're unprepared, it's too late. The door is closed. The day of opportunity has ended. Jamie talked today about the 14 that were saved this week and how I praise God for that and the 590 that have been saved this year, 90 plus that's been saved. What a great testimony. But please be assured, in this same year, millions have died without Jesus. Millions have died calling out to God, but they still died lost. Well, how's that, preacher? How could they call out to God? They're like that thief on the cross that all they wanted is what he wanted, just saved from their sickness and saved from their pain and saved from their trouble. They didn't want saved from their sin. 
But that thief that said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That thief that said, we receive the due rewards of our deeds, but this man Jesus has done nothing amiss. That thief was the one that heard today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. There comes a place where God's mercy, as great as it is, his mercy will go on, but his spirit will not strive with people. What do you mean? Why, no man cometh unto me except my Father who hath sent me draw him. That means the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't confuse that because I hear people tell me all the time, preacher, I just, I just don't feel that God is drawing me to him. At the same time, they're crying and they can't hardly even complete a sentence. What do you think that is? No, you can confuse the drawing of God. When God doesn't draw you any longer, that means you have no care of anything that God deals with and, and anything of the Lord. You're not interested in being in church. You're not interested in hearing singing. You're not interested in hearing preacher, preach, the preacher preach anymore. It's over. You're as dead as that sheetrock on the walls. Nothing penetrates you. Nothing bothers you. Nothing troubles you. You're more moved by a commercial on TV than you are a savior that died on a cross. No longer drawing you. 